Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Good. I'm Scott Weatherford. Really glad you're here. Now, today, uh, we had all those baptisms. Wasn't that exciting today? Yeah. <clears throat> now, we're going to do that again. What we're doing is we're going to schedule to help you uh, be baptized. Now, this summer, uh, June, July, and August, we're going to be baptizing outside uh, in, in Cypress Creek. Uh, in, I think in maybe uh, my wife's here. I haven't really talked to her about this. At our house, in our pool one weekend, possibly, okay? If I get to still live there after this. And uh, also in another pool. So we're going to be baptizing outside this summer. So you might say, hey, I want to do that. That's great. There's nothing like uh, being in Wimberley water. Isn't that right? So if you haven't taken that step, then take that step. Go public with the private through baptism. Really exciting. And Jonathan kind of kept things kind of short today because we had baptism because I want you to get out there and find your place for ministry. I want to say this to you, okay? Your future is in ministry. That's your future. Today we're talking about hope restored, restoring hope for your hope, excuse me, hope renewed, renewing your future, hope for your future. Your future's in ministry. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you in this room have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Would you just raise your hand? Hey, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. How many of you are called by God to be a minister? Keep your hand up. You got it? Put your hand down. Because that is, that is a core truth that we hold on to, that every member's a minister. If you've been saved by God, you've been called by God into ministry. Now, the assignment may be a little different. You know, God, uh, when I was seven, he, he brought me to himself. I said yes to him. I was saved. I was baptized. And then uh, <clears throat> at 15, he gave me the assignment to be a pastor, and I ignored it until I was 32. Guess what? God doesn't forget, y'all. He just doesn't forget. So the assignments change, the calling remains. So today, we're going to be talking about the future, and your future is in ministry. Now, as times get tumultuous, we would really like to be able to prognosticate the future, right? I mean, you would love to know what's going on. You'd love, some of y'all would love to know what's going to happen in the stock market next week, wouldn't you? Yeah, because it's been a wild ride. Some of you that are that are in, in retirement income, investment incomes, you're like, what is going on? Some of y'all, I think all of us like to know what Donald Trump's going to do next. I mean, that's just been, uh, whatever your political persuasion, it's been, according to the media, it's been a wild ride, right? Are y'all like me and you don't know what to believe anymore? Okay, there's a few of you. There's one of you said no, but that's fine. That's good. I do know who to believe in. And so he's got it, and I don't have to worry about it. But so prognosticating the future is kind of, uh, when time gets rough, we want to know what's going on. But would it really help? Would you really live differently if you knew what the future held? Hmm. There's a story that comes out of Arabic folklore about a servant who went into the marketplace of Medina. And while he was in the marketplace of Medina, he met death. And death gave him a looming, glaring look. And so it frightened the servant. He went back home very quickly, and he said to his master, Master, I must borrow your horse and quickly go to Baghdad. And he said, why would you want to do that? And he said, because today I was in the marketplace in Medina, and I saw death, and he gave me a menacing look. He said, well, by all means, take my horse, go to Baghdad. So the, the, the master was a little bit upset with death. It's like, why are you messing with my servant? So he went to the marketplace and he found death. 
And he said, death, my servant was here, and you gave him a menacing look, a looming glance. What was that about? And he said, oh, it was not menacing or looming. I was just surprised. He said, why were you surprised? He said, for tomorrow, I have an appointment with him in Baghdad. Would we live differently if we knew the future? And I would hope we would say yes. Now, next week, I'm going to give you a little advertisement. Next week, I'm going to be preaching about hope and death, literally talking about what did Jesus say about what happens next. Now, here's some startling news for all of you. Every one of you in this room is going to die. Isn't that great news? I've come to encourage you today. Of course, recently at a Baptist church, a guy had a heart attack, and the EMS came in. They took out four people before they found the right guy. You know, that's how dead we could be in church. That was really a lot funnier. Think about it. But um, we're all going to die. The exit strategy is death. Or the Lord could come back, and that would be great. And if he comes back before next week when I preach this message on hope and death, I'll preach it to you in glory, okay? And y'all will see if I got it right, all right? So that's coming up next week. Now, on Thursday, guys, we're having men at first gathering again, Thursday night, 630. And I'm going to be talking about the soul of a man. So guys, you can come for the soul of a man, and we're going to have some soul food. Now, Johnny Wood, I haven't talked to you yet. We're going to have chicken wings, because that's the biblical food. Yeah, did you hear about the chicken that was strutting around the barnyard? The cow said to the goat, what's up with that chicken? She's, she has four sons in the ministry. Like in chicken. Okay, never mind. All right. That was just a foul joke. Okay, anyway, we won't do that anymore. Just but we're going to be talking about Thursday night. So guys, you just put that on your calendar and we're going to go. I have never had a joke fall that flat in the history of my joke telling. In fact, I think my wife just left in shame. So anyway, we're going to keep going on and we're going to talk about hope of our future. And if we knew our future, would we believe and behave differently? Um, God holds the future and he holds us secure in his sovereignty. Because this is true, that I can find hope in my future. There's an old gospel song that says this, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. And our future is secure in the sovereignty of God, that God has it. We don't have to worry about it because God is in control of our lives. Now, because this church exists to build lives that honor God, the part of our core, core being and belief is that you discover your ministry. You discover where God wants you to serve him, shape to serve him. Now, I talked about that on the video announcement, which is very scary to watch myself on video. I think I have a future in used cars. That's what I think. But uh, I don't think that's a ministry. But, um, but watching myself, and I gave you this talk, talk about tonight at 5. Tonight at five, I'm going to teach you how God has shaped you for ministry. S-H-A-P-E, your, your spiritual gift, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experience. And I'm going to give you assessment tools that you can figure out how God has shaped you. Now, in the curriculum we provided, it goes along with each one of these, uh, these messages. It's found on our website, fbcwimberly.com. I have a personal devotion that this week... We cover shape, S-H-A-P-E. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, S-H-A-P-E. And I talk about what that means, your shape for ministry. And then uh, our group material that we've also provided on our website, 
that you, it's about a five minute video. I talk about the hope of our future, how God is in control, his sovereignty, how he's working in our life. We put together all that curriculum for you because we love you. Now I'm gonna tell you something that may or may not be true. I'm gonna try to let you out early today. That may or may not be true. But that was supposed to be funny. Um, but I'm doing this because I want you to discover how God maybe wants to plug you in. Now you may go out on the, uh, the, the board, the pathway out there, the under the, uh, the covering the breezeway, and you may say, gosh, there's nothing here that I really wanna do, but I really wanna start something, okay? I really wanna, I really feel like God wants me to start a new ministry. Now here's one thing I will tell you. If you come to me with your hand on your hip and your finger in the air said, Pastor, we need to do, and you just fill in the blank. We need to do whatever, why, 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 why need to do whatever. I'm gonna put you in charge of it because I have plenty to do, okay? So if God's stirring you up something in your heart that we need to do this, then probably you're supposed to lead this. So just have that in mind before you come declaring the many things we ought to do, get ready to step up because God's probably working in you. So your future is in ministry. Now hold on to this thought. You will not experience the full dynamic power of God in your life working in, for, and through you until you engage yourself in ministry. You're just not gonna do it. You can go to all the Beth Moore Bible studies you want to, or you could quote Dr. David Jeremiah and all his prophecies, and that's awesome, but you will never experience the fullness of God and the satisfaction of living all for Jesus until you engage yourself in ministry. So we're not telling you this stuff because we have some places to fill. We're telling you this stuff because this is how God builds your life. So this morning, we're looking at God's word and we're talking about your future. And when, you, when you're dismissed, you can go out and join others and, and find out where God wants you to be. Now, while we're doing this, why are we doing this? Because we love you. That's why. It's because we love you. We're in the process of starting ministries that are gonna shape the Wimberley Valley. I wanna tell y'all something. Maybe you don't know this. Did you know the Wimberley Valley has problems with addictions? Did you know that? So we're gonna start a ministry to help people in recovery from addictions. Hurts, Habits, and Hangouts called Celebrate Recovery. Rick, stand up so they can see you. Rick Martino's right there, and Rick, unshamed, he's got his CR shirt on. Uh, he doesn't think he's a superhero. But, uh, but Rick is starting this ministry uh, because he came to me, said, we have a need, and I said, you're in charge. And we sent him to California, he's been trained, he's recruiting others on leadership. If you've got a hurt, habit, or hang up, we have a ministry to help you be healed for the glory of God. There's other ministries we're doing. On April 14th, we're having a big motorcycle car show on our campus. Why? Because Steve Dow came to me. He said, Pastor Scott, I think we need to do something for motorcycle riders and car enthusiasts. And I said, you're in charge. So he's building a leadership team. Malcolm, I think you're on that leadership team, aren't you? Malcolm, you are now if you weren't there, but you are now. <laughs> and we're going to have a car show on our, on our campus on the 14th of April old cars and motorcycles and bands and food. We're doing this to attract people so they can come meet Jesus. Everything we do is to build lives that honor God. So that's what we're doing, because we love you, and we want to reach out into our community all for the glory of God. So let's go this morning. I'm gonna impact several scriptures in a quick, timely manner, and then turn you loose 
to find out how God wants you to step up in ministry. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray, oh God, that you will just speak through me, customize this talk to those that listen today. And I pray, oh God, that you will do something in and for and through us that's just, well, unexplainable. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. And I pray all of this in Christ's strong name. Amen. Now go ahead and take out your note page, your Take the Weekend With You notes, and you might want to jot down some things that I say this morning that'll help you in the days ahead. First thing I want you to know is that your future is secure with the Holy God. Your future is secure with the Holy God. I know, theologically, nothing can happen to me without passing it through the filter of God's love. Nothing. That means whatever the doctor may diagnose or the bank may declare that God is working for me because he loves me. And your future is secured with him. Listen to what this psalm says. I love Psalm 37. In fact, this is a great psalm just to read today, but let me just read a portion of it. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. When, when, that man, he delights in his God's ways. So when I live life under the canopy of God, when I say yes to Jesus and I belong to him, that under his canopy, he's going to direct my steps. A.W. Tozer said this, a man rightly related to God cannot make a wrong decision. And my right relationship with God is not through my self-effort or my intellect, it's through my devotion to Jesus Christ by giving myself to him. So with that knowledge, I know that God is taking me along. Now the psalmist goes on to say, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong. In other words, you're not gonna fall and you own your face. God's going, have you ever fallen on your face? I know I got a face look like I fell on it, right? Y'all, I've got the face for radio. That's what I, I think. One time we were playing softball in New Orleans. I was on this team. We were playing softball, and I was going to do a head first slide into third base, and it was just mud. And I nose dove, boom, right into, got mud in my mouth and my nose and my ears, mud in my eyes. Had to dig everything out. I got tagged out too, which is even more embarrassing. I'm stuck in the mud with muddy face. That's what this means. God is not going to let you fall headlong. He shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord holds his hand. Holds his hand. I love that picture. As I'm walking along my little granddaughters, holding their hand. One's not walking yet. The other one is holding her hand. We were here a year ago for the, for the Palm Sunday picnic, and little Ivy was walking on the boardwalk of death, not paying attention to where she went, and she fell off, and I grabbed her by the hand. She was not cast headlong because Papa was holding her hand. And your daddy God holds you as well. The psalmist goes on to say, I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. God's got you. You're held in his sovereignty. The security of God is found in the relationship with God. God knows the days of your life before there was one of them. He's not caught off guard by the events of today, and he's not intimidated by what your future holds. God has it. I want you to remember this. 
You're immortal until God's finished with you. You will not die, but live to declare what God has done. It says in Psalm 118, 17. I quote that to my friends who are diagnosed with cancer. I said, cancer's not a death sentence. You're not dead till you're dead. God's going to use you until you're dead. So while you're alive, live all for Jesus. All for Jesus. And then after I die, I'm going to live forever. Billy Graham died this week. Did y'all hear that? And he said this years ago. One day, reports of my death will be circulated, but don't you believe them for a minute, for I will be more alive than I ever have been. I have not died. I've changed the dress. I now live with Jesus. That's right. I love that about Billy Graham, and I know that's true about me. And tomorrow, next week, I'll be talking about that. Next week, we ought to fill this place a few times to hear about hope, hope and death. This, this psalm reminds us that we have directed steps. We don't just stumble through life. It's not just willy-nilly. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you roll out of bed and you start to face your Monday, remember you have a God who's directing you, who's in charge of you, who loves you, and he believes the best about you. You see, God is, insecure, is into security. One of the core beliefs we have at this church is called the perseverance of the saints. Now, that's a fancy word. I'm gonna give you another word. It helps you interpret it. We believe once you're saved, you'll always be saved. That once you say yes to Jesus, you can't lose your salvation. Some people call it falling from grace. How can you fall from something that you didn't earn in the first place? Jesus is the one who saves us by his grace. He draws us with his spirit. We say yes to him, and then he takes us, and we're secure in that love. You cannot outsin nor outstupid God. He holds you. God is into security. He wants you to know you're safe with him. Any belief system that creates insecurity or doubt is not of God. God is into security. And so when I read this passage, I know my future is secure because my God is secure and my relationship is secure through what Jesus Christ has done for me by the cross through the grave. He has changed me. So then I can trust God. My future is in a God I can trust. And God has a plan for you. Now, there's seasons of your life that you're going to be sifted. Did you know that? In Luke twenty two thirty one, Jesus and Peter have an interesting conversation. Jesus says to Peter, and he called him Simon, which is his Hebrew name. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have returned, repented and returned, strengthen the brothers. <clears throat> it's a very interesting passage of Scripture. Because Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, in some translations it says, sift you like wheat. In the original Greek, it says, sift each one of you like wheat. If you come to Jesus, you're going to get sifted. There's going to be circumstances and situations and hardships in your life that God is going to use to refine you. You're going to be sifted. But Jesus is pleading in prayer for you. And if Jesus is pleading in prayer, 
I'm pretty excited about that because I know that he is praying the right things for me. And he's praying that my faith will not fail. And if Jesus is praying, my, my faith ain't going to fail, y'all. Because Jesus has got it. Are you with me? I didn't earn my faith. He gave it to me. He's praying that it won't fail. So it's not going to be. And then he says, after I've repented and returned, then I get to strengthen you. He prognosticates my future in restoration. Now, you could go back in our, on our website and listen to messages I preached on this in our last series, Hope uh, Restored. There's a message on trials and tribulations. You could listen to that. But I have security. I can trust God. And that God has a plan for me. Now, listen to this passage of Scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. It's a promise of God. When you seek me with all your heart. Now, you say, well, the problem is I don't seek God with all my heart. But Jesus, Jesus knows that. He's pleading a prayer for you, and he's, he's going to let you find me. He's going to let you find him. Now, this scripture has a historical ramification, interpretation. Jeremiah was saying this specifically to the Hebrew children that were in captivity in Babylon. But it also has a universal truth. A lot of times theologians get hung up on this. They say, well, you know, this uh, passage of Scripture is uh, really not written for everybody, and it's just written for the Jewish people. And, and what I say, shut up. Because this is a universal promise to every believer. God in his sovereignty knows you. God in his love is crazy about you. And he says, when you seek me, I will let you find me. We play hide and seek with little Ivy every now and then. And what she'll do is she'll go hide. Then she'll say, Papa, here I am. And that's how God is with us. Here I am. Because God wants you to find him. He's hiding in plain sight. And he's closer than you think. And I love that about him. He has a plan for me. And did you know that God is thinking about you? You're on God's mind. He's thinking about you. Listen to this psalm. As for me, I'm poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought of me, or better said, the Lord is thinking about me right now. You are my helper, my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Do not delay, oh my God. And the psalmist is saying, God, I need you. Psalm 4017. You see, God's plans for us are always about restoring, renewing, and redeeming. Renew, restoring, renewing, and redeeming. And he wants to use you to restore renew and redeem others. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be Chip and Joanna Gaines. You're a fixer-upper. He wants to use you to restore and to renew because he wants to restore and renew you. I, I, I love this, uh, that passage in Luke I quoted about being sifted. He says, after you've repented, strengthen the brothers. Strengthen the brothers. I love that. You see, my life matters. Your life matters. Your connection matters. We talk about connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. It matters. 
be connected to Christ and be connected to a church family. It matters. A Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. You need to be connected. Connected in a group. Connected in a ministry. You need to be connected. Your connection matters. Your spiritual growth matters. So you can think like Jesus, speak like Jesus, hear like Jesus, have the mind of Christ. You could do 15 million Beth Moore studies and still be mean as a two-headed snake. God wants to change your heart. So your heart's full of love and more loving, more compassionate, more inclined to meet people's needs. Your spiritual growth matters. Your ministry matters. Your service matters. Man, we're the body of Christ. We all play a part. You're important in that, in that part. If you're missing, we have had amputated parts if you're missing. We're handicapped without you. Wow. Your sharing matters. You're being contagious and loving people. Next week is a great opportunity. I know it's time change Sunday. Suck it up, buttercup. Get out of the bed. Come up here. We'll have some breakfast and some coffee. I'll be juiced up, ready to go. It'll be all right. Just come on. And we're going to talk about hope and the hope and death. Everybody wants to know about this. It's the time to make the ask and bring them. People come to Jesus best on the arm of a trusted friend. Be the friend and bring them. Your, um, your generosity matters. Now I'm going to say something to you. It may hurt your mind. It may hurt your head. This church right here doesn't give to missions. We are the mission. We are the mission. When you give of your resources here, you're giving to the mission of God and your generosity matters. But let me say this to you because I want you to know. I was talking about this in the first service. Wyatt was out last week with his daddy. His daddy was sick and I said, you gotta go. Your, your daddy's 90. He's got one foot on, in, on a banana peel, the other in the grave. I mean, he, he's 90. His daddy gets sick, you gotta go. And so he went out to see his daddy and the reports came in that I fully didn't understand. He explained them to me. We give externally to missions. We have missions that we give to. We are the mission, but we give to entities outside of us, all for Jesus. Do y'all realize that in the state of Texas, within our affiliation of churches, this church, First Baptist Wimberley, was number 18 in the state of Texas in giving externally to missions. And that does not include the money we gave to disaster relief. Is that, that worth, that's worth a big hand clap, yeah. All right, get this. Last year, this little old church in the middle of nowhere gave $300,000 to external missions. That's a lot of money, y'all. Why? Because we are joining God and bringing his redemptive purposes to the world. Your generosity matters. I was wondering, I was at a, a state gathering of denominational leaders and the executive director of the group that we're kind of affiliated with, he came up and shake my, shook my hand and said, you're Scott Weatherford, it's so good to meet you. And I was wondering, why is this dude so friendly? I know now. <laughs> you write a big check and you become friends with people, right? But the truth is we want to be a part of God's redemptive and restoring plan. That's who we are. Your, your, your leadership matters. You say, well, I don't lead anything. Yeah, you do. If you lead yourself, you lead. Very soon on our website and our app, we will have a leadership, leadership at first, 
where you could click on and get leadership training guidance and video snippets and then links to other leadership sites. It's coming to our website soon. Dan's head just started hurting there, but it's coming, coming soon because your leadership matters. Your family life matters. How your marriage works, how your, how your parenting works. Uh, we're working on a married couples retreat for this fall because we want to get you couples together and have some fun and gives you some teaching. Man, we do stuff with teenagers and with children because you matter. We play upward football. Why in the world do we play upward football? Because your families matter. Why, why do we do stuff we do? Because you matter. See, your life matters to God and is secure with him. And he's thinking about you right now. And see, God's plans for you ought to renew your hope. And he wants you in ministry. You see, you're God's work of art. Listen to this, what he says in Ephesians 2.10. For we, we are his workmanship. Actually, in the Greek, it's translated poem. You're his handicraft, his poem, his literary beauty, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God has created you for ministry. Now, right before that, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Paul says this, it's for, by, it's for by grace we are saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, we didn't do this on our own. God did this for us, and he's shaping you to have a serving, a ministry in, in, in service. You were saved to serve Jesus. You were saved to serve Jesus. And we serve God by serving each other. To quote the great theologian Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil, but it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. So serve Jesus. And you will not find the future God has for you until you've engaged yourself in the ministry all for Jesus. Now, I've got a friend of mine who's a doctor. He goes to our church. He's a doctor. And he said to me, I'm a doctor, but I'm disguised as a minister. I may be treating people's physical ailments, but God is using me to bring hope and life to people. Huh? We've, we've got one of our police officers, Keith. He's out here all the time. Keith is a constable, but he's really a minister in disguise. My friend Colin sitting right there. Colin, now get this, is a lawyer. A minister in disguise. That's a great disguise, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it, Colin? It, it is. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to be a lawyer and love Jesus. It's hard, but you can do it. And he, he's done it. But it's, it's, that's what God, sorry, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay for that. Yeah. I will baptize you in the Jordan River too, just so you know. All right. He's going to Israel with us. But that's that whole process that God takes us and he places us where he wants us. And there's ministries in the church. There's ministries in the world. In fact, I want to say this to you. You need a ministry for God's people and you need a mission for God's causes. Mission for God's causes. Out on the table back there, there's a, a sign-up if you're interested in working in Cuba. I'm going to go to Cuba this summer and find out what in the world First Baptist Wimberley could be doing in Cuba. And we're going to go together to make a difference in Cuba. I had a call from a pastor this week, Oswaldo Palmero, 
He said, Pastor Scott, there are 400 pastors waiting for you in Cuba to come train them. Let's go. We might sneak in some fishing. All for Jesus. <laughs> and finding your ministry creates even a deeper security in your life and solidifies your future. Listen to this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? In love. Now, I read that whole passage of Scripture, and I'm going to be teaching on this after Easter when we talk about there's hope for us. I'm going to be talking about there's two things I want you to notice in this passage. First of all is the word equip. That word equip means to be returned or restored to usefulness. You see, we are broken and God says, I want to mend you. This is the same word, this word equipped, is the same word used for Peter and John mending their nets on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus called them. God wants to take your broken life and use it for ministry. He wants to restore you to usefulness. Wow. That God wants to do this for me. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You will never grow up to spiritual maturity until you're serving God. You won't. You may learn a lot of biblical knowledge, but you know what knowledge does? Puffs up. Love builds up. And when we give our lives away in, in service and in love, it builds up people. So you have a choice to make. What are you going to do? Moses said it this way. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and a curse, that I love the fact Moses shifts to being Pastor Moses. And he says, therefore, choose life. Choose life. Don't choose curse. Don't choose death. Choose blessing. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Choose this, Deuteronomy 30, 19. Once again, this historical passage has a universal truth that God has placed before you a choice. You know, God will allow you to waste your life. Do you know that? God will allow you to literally waste your life. But don't. Choose life. Many of you struggle in life because you're inwardly focused. You're worried about yourself. What's in it for me? And you're not focused on living your life all for Jesus and giving your life away. Jesus told us if you want to find your life, you lose it. And he said the first will be last and the last will be first. And then Jesus said this, the son of man, he's talking about himself, didn't come to be served, but came to serve and give his life a ransom for you. So if I'm supposed to be like Jesus, then I need to find a ministry. Your decision today 
will become your destiny of tomorrow. Now, some of you on this side of the room, you say, well, I'm a high school student or junior high student. I can't do anything. Baloney. Thoughts you can do. Ways you can give your life away. Now, jump into ministry. I know our church in Canada, most of the people that ran the audiovisual and tech things for our children's ministry was junior high kids. It's just amazing to me. We had a, a full service uh, coffee shop with, with lattes and all kinds of fancy drinks. And we had junior high kids making lattes. And they were good. They stick their finger in it, but they were good. <laughs> and they learned how to do this. And so we give your life away. Give your life away. It's not about you. You see, I was surprised to see him because I had an appointment with him in Baghdad tomorrow. You see, God knows your future, and your future is in serving him. God, you, know, you may have an appointment with death tomorrow. But there's one other song I want to remind you of. Only one life, how soon it will pass. Only what's done for God that lasts. So give your life away. God has your future. God has your destiny. So why don't you live all for him? Take the next step and step up. Now, all of this means nothing unless you've given your life to Jesus. It means nothing. I could talk about this till I blew in the face, but if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it means nothing. So I know a lot of good people who do a lot of good things, but they don't belong to Jesus. Guess what? It's wasted. It's wasted. But when you give your life to Jesus, he changes your future. And his future is with him. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, then today's the day. Today's the day. If you're here to this morning and you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, today's the day you can be sure. If you're here today and you know you know Christ and you're not serving God by serving others, Step up. It's your time. So for those of you who've never trusted Christ, I want to help you with that. So let's pray together. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I thank you for the way you love us with a love that will is just relentless. It's pursuing and reckless. We sang about that earlier. And I pray, Father, that we will not leave here without doing business with you, without allowing you to shape our destinies. Father, I know you, I belong to you, and I, I want to serve my life all for you. And I thank you for how good and great and loving and powerful you are. So Jesus, I, I give myself to you today. But Father, there's some in this room that need to give their lives to you for the first time. Father, help them to make this decision that shapes their destiny. If this is you and you know you need Jesus, I'm going to invite you to pray with me this simple prayer right now. Just pray this, Jesus I'm yours. Forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you. If you just prayed that, then Christ just did that. If you were not sure and you prayed that, Christ just did that. You don't have to keep praying that. Jesus heard you the first time. You belong to him. Thank you, Jesus, for how good and great you are. And I pray this all in your strong name. Amen.